Let's turn to Romans 7 once again. Romans 7. I uh, want us to read once again uh, verses 14 through 25. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Let us pray once again. Heavenly Father, we we just come to you and just ask, Lord, give us wisdom, give us understanding. Just pour out your Spirit upon us. Let us all have ears to hear from you. Lord, let your words speak. Let my words be few. Help us, Father, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We we began looking at this passage last week, and I, I didn't want to leave it with just what we talked about last week. Uh, as we've gone through this, I talked about the different interpretations of who it is that uh, this this wretched man is, and people are saying, "Well, it's it's pre-Christian Paul," or and some say, "Well, it's Paul present experience." Some say it's not Paul. He's using literary license, and he's he's talking about an unbeliever. Uh, some will say that this is someone who is coming to Christ. Uh, Someone that is in that conviction battle and they're, they're coming to Christ. Others will say it was aimed at those that were coming out of the law, the Pharisaical. They were still trying to hang on to the law and, and do things according to the law, but they could not do it. And so many interpretations. And, and I told you last week that, that I believe this text is talking about the born-again believer. And I believe it, it is speaking of, of Christian experience. And, and I believe it's, it's speaking, if, if you want to make it even greater than that, apostolic experience, because this is Paul. 
So what I hope we can grasp is the fact, at least I believe, is the fact that no Christian can live their remaining life here on planet Earth in continual victory over sin. Now that may sound... We stumble. We commit sin still. And we don't live in continual victory. Now our identity in Christ, yes, That is firm, that is secure, that is forevermore, and nothing can change that victory that we have. He has won the war for us, but yet here walking around in this mortal body, we still battle. Can I put it that way? We have skirmishes, we have battles here on this earth. The war ultimately has been won. So I hope you understand what I'm saying when I say we don't live in continual victory. I'm talking about these daily battles. There are some that we stumble to. Everybody agree with that? Any perfect people in here that you never stumble, you never fall? Understand this. For the born-again believer, our spiritual victory has been secured in Christ, we have been set free from the penalty of sin. But while still on this earth, walking around in these mortal bodies, we must deal with the power of sin that is yet here. I think that's a pretty good way to say it. But we have been set free, our identity in Christ that, that I just talked about. And we could go, Paul's going to get to this in, in Romans 8. Let's read the first two verses. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. This is talking of our identity in Christ. Born of the Spirit. Given a new heart, a new nature. We're new. We're not the old man. So I believe a lot of what Paul is saying, and he says in his other writings and others' epistle, don't go back and try to live like the old man. Live like the new man that you are in Christ. Though we have been set free from the penalty of sin, we still must deal with the power of sin that tempts us through and in this mortal body of flesh. Paul talks of this tension that I I think I put it that way last week. There's this conflict. There's this warring that is going on. And, and he says this in, in Galatians 5, verse 17. We read last week. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So each day, child of God, we must be prepared to battle against sin. We must put on the whole armor of God, be looking to Him. And we do it not in our own strength, but in the strength He supplies. And according to the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us, and according to the truth of His Word. And also know this, I said that we don't live in a state of continual victory we also don't live in a state of continual defeat. You see, we, 
I want to make that, that's probably the one statement that I wanted to say this week that I don't think I said last week that I wanted to make sure you understand. We, child of God, we don't live in continual victory, but then we don't live in continual defeat either. Uh, the life of a Christian is supposed to be joy, to live in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength, you see. So, so may we look to Him. Because if you go, I, th- I think I might have talked about ditches last week. Did I talk about ditches last week? It, if you have uh, thoughts in one way, you're going to be the, in the ditch over here of, of pride and arrogance. Well, I never sin. I, I've reached a level, a new level, a, a new uh, second blessing, and, and I don't ever sin. You, you could be in the ditch over there, and then you could be in the ditch over here in total despair. Well, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I try, and I, I fail, and I fail, and I fail. I might as well just give up. So, so you see the two extremes, either over here or over here. But, but we're supposed to be somewhere here in the middle, looking to the Lord and, and walking in, in standing firm. We sang all those songs this morning, standing on the promises I cannot fail. You remember that lyric that we sang? Do you believe that? As long as I'm standing and trusting the great and precious promises of God, I'll not fail. I'll not stumble as long as I keep my thoughts to Him and looking to Him. But it's when I take my eyes off of Him and put it on the things of this world or whatever it may be going on, maybe a trial, maybe a tribulation, maybe something I'm going through, maybe it's a temptation, But if I take my eyes off of him and I look to this way, horizontally, instead of looking vertically, that's when I'm susceptible. That's when you're susceptible to failure. So may we look to him and stand firm in the power of God. Let's read just a few verses that talks about that in Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand Fast in the Lord, beloved. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, stand steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's, that's a good word there, isn't it? Well, why am I even doing this? Why, why try? No one cares. No one. I'm not doing any good. <laughs> no. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It is never in vain in the Lord when you're looking to Him and trusting Him and working for Him. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. I think we need to preach that to ourselves sometimes, don't we? Come on, be brave, trust in the Lord. If if He is for us, who can be against us? In Ephesians 6, verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And when we've preached on this before, we've expounded on that quite a bit. The wiles, that's the schemes of the devil. Those things, the temptations that, that come to try to trip us up. Know that he is always there. In 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, it talks of that. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, don't don't go down the road of the pity party. No one, no one's having to deal with what I'm having to put up with. No one's. You see what I'm saying? These these things, these sufferings, these trials, temptations are experienced by all the brotherhood brotherhood of Christians in the world, even the Apostle Paul. Back in his day, that's why I believe. Paul is talking of himself in Romans 7, that that even the Apostle Paul had times of failure where he thought of himself as being wretched because of his failure. And the objectors will come. The objectors to that thought would say, this is Paul, and I agree. Oh, my goodness, Paul. And they will say, Paul couldn't say those things about himself. Now, I want to... Today I want to point out a a couple of the reasons why I believe that Paul can speak of himself and his Christian experience in this way. We didn't talk about this very much last way, but I want us to consider the very wording, the phrasing, the verb tenses. (laughs) Didn't know he was going to have an English lesson, did you? But, But this is important. And also to consider the personal pronouns. There's a topic of conversation and controversy today isn't it but to consider the personal pronouns that that paul is using now we're not going to go back and read this but but uh, you can read it later in in romans 7 if you look at verses 7 to 13 just stay with me stay with me now he said i would not have known sin i would not have known covetousness i was alive but i died sin deceived me and killed me all referring to to himself in the past tense, events that happened in his past. And most all will agree that that's Paul talking of his experience in the past. But for some reason, we get to verse 14, and he's saying, I, now it's not Paul. I don't understand, I don't understand it. To me, it, 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 at least this is where I'm at, and to me, to me. And, and if we look at those verses 14 through 25, I believe it's over 40 times that Paul makes reference to himself in the present tense. I am carnal for what I am doing. The good that I will to do, I do not find. I find then a law. I delight in the law of God. So it seems to me the the way to see these passages is Paul in his present experience to which, to again, to which many will say, well, Paul would never consider himself and call himself a, a wretched man. An, an apostle surely couldn't do that. But look, but look, how, look how Paul referred to himself in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. Look at how he, he spoke of himself. I'm the least You may say, well, that's just Paul's humility. I think Paul knew himself. I think Paul knew of his struggles. And Paul had those moments, I'm the least. I'm the least of all the apostles, I'm the least. And look at this in Ephesians 3, verse 8. Look Look at what he says here. To me, who am less 
than the least of all the saints. That's you and me. This is Paul. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, <laughs> this grace was given. Did you ever feel that way? Why would he love me? Why would he love me? I'm the, I'm the worst. And yet he loved me. And I think this is Paul. I'm the, I am less than the least. But this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, yes, there, there's some humility that's going on there. But look at how he talked of himself. I am, the, I am less than the least of all the saints. And here's what I want to do today as well. I want us to consider the Apostle Peter. Remember this. You remember the story. They'd been in the upper room. Judas had forsaken the Lord. Jesus had spoken to Peter and said that, that Satan has, has asked that, that he might sift you as wheat. To which Peter replied, and let's read that in Luke 22, 33, and 34. But he, and that's Peter, said to him, Jesus, but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, and Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And I can only imagine perhaps what Peter thought. <laughs> no way. No way. Because it seemed at first that he was going to do everything he could to protect Jesus. Remember in the garden? And, and when Judas and, and the, the high priests and the scribes and the, the, the soldiers came, and, and, and it was Peter that, that grabbed the sword and took it out and cut off Malchus's ear. Remember that? It, it seemed like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stand for you. No one's going to take you away. Nothing like this is going to happen. But Jesus, this has to happen. This has to happen, Peter. And ultimately we know that the things happen just as Jesus had said. Now here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to jump past the, uh, the first denial. I want to jump past the second denial. You can go back and read all those. But let's go to, to the third in, in Luke 22 verses 59 through 62. Then, after about an hour, an hour after his second denial, after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also belongs with him, with Jesus. For he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And if you read Matthew's account, it's much more severe of what Peter said. In there it says, And Peter began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And then, here Luke, immediately, while he was still speaking, we take what Matthew said, while he was still cursing and swearing, the rooster crowed. You see the impact of that. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, 
before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and, say it with me, wept bitterly. Now let me ask you this. Do you think a lot of what Peter was weeping about was exactly the same as what Paul was talking about in Romans 7? You think Peter went off and went, Oh, wretched man that I am. I walked with him for three years. I told him I would go with him and I forsook him. I walked away from him. I denied him. Wretched Peter. And I know this. An objector will come and say this, hey, but preacher, that was before Pentecost. That, that was before the Holy Spirit. Preacher, you need to go read Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. Peter was a lion. Yeah, he was a lion until him and Barnabas went to Antioch. And Paul gives this account. We're going to read it from Galatians 2. Galatians 2, 11 through 14. Yeah, here, here's, here was Peter, the, the lion, that stood and preached that great sermon. But now, verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I, and this is Paul, he's the I here, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. That, that means he was to be condemned for what he was doing. This is that encounter. Verse 12, for, for before certain men came from James, and who were these certain men that came? Well, we know that these were the Judaizers. This is, this is those, the, the ones who was preaching a false gospel. This is the ones who were saying to be truly saved. All believers still had to be circumcised. To be saved, you still had to follow the law. To be saved, you still had to follow the dietary restrictions and all the traditions and all the rituals and all the things for the law. Yeah, you get saved, but you have to go back under the law. A false gospel. This was the Judaizers. And they, they came from James. James didn't send them. They had been over harassing James too. So, so don't think that James sent them. They had just come from there. Before certain men came from, from James, he, Peter, would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Peter withdrew. Why? Fear of what they may say. Perhaps fear of his reputation. Because in, in Acts, I think through chapter 12 or 13, Peter was the highlight. And many thought of Peter as being the exalted apostle. And, and then somewhere there was a transition that, that kind of went more toward Paul in chapter 14 and on. And so here, here's Peter. And, and he fears. What will people think? What will they do to me? The same sin of when he denied Christ. He feared. Same sin. So let's keep reading the verse 13, 14. Listen to what happened. When, when Peter withdrew, Peter set the example and others followed suit. 
And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas, even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, let me pause there for a minute. You see, the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was at stake here because the Judaizers was was preaching a false gospel. You see, the, the gospel was not received Jesus, but you had to continue to to not just to receive Jesus. It was receive Jesus and do these things. Circumcision, follow the law, follow the dietary restrictions. It wasn't just Jesus. It was Jesus plus all these things. And so a false gospel. So the gospel was at stake. The freedom in Christ was at stake. Being under grace and not being under the law was at stake. And Paul knew this. And he says, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? This is spirit-filled Peter. The same sin as in his denial of Christ, Peter fearing whom he should not fear. He was lying and deceiving with his behavior, and he caused others to fall. And I never want to be the cause of someone else falling. Spirit-filled Peter, apostolic power Peter, and yet he failed. The same besetting sin as when he denied Christ. Besetting sin, let's read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us let me pause king james version says the sin which doth so easily beset us that's where we get besetting sin let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us besets us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Peter's besetting sin. Now, if we were all honest with ourselves this morning, we could all say, yes, I know my weaknesses. I know my besetting sins. I, I know the sins that come to me and easily ensnares me. I know the temptations I'm susceptible to, the sins that I struggle with, the sins that sometimes gets the upper hand in my life, in my fight against those sins. Yes, in those moments I, I'm convicted of the Lord, and I believe when that happens we will be like the one in Romans 7 and cry out, Lord, forgive me, wretched, wretched man, wretched woman, wretched child. I did it again. See, the problem is we're not honest with ourselves and with those around us. We, we had some friends that came up from Mississippi. We got together 
and, and visit with them. It was so nice. They were attending church here when we were still down on Main Street in Ironton. They were coming to church when we got this property. They were here when we were in the upstairs of the fellowship hall having church. They, they had never seen this, this part of the building. It, it was all just that up there. And yeah, it brought them to tears to see what God had done. And, and I said, you were a part of this. It's through your faithfulness and your help that 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 this has continued, and they were just overjoyed with that. And in conversation, I think Barb said one of the things that 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 they talked about was that the place we're going right now. It's people are not honest with each other. You, know, you get together in your little group or whatever, and it's they put on the face. They put on the smile. No, no problems here. No, I, I'm a Christian. I, I don't sin. I've, I've got no problems. Not being honest with themselves. Not being honest with others. Where, with, with someone like that, where's the, where's the work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Where's the fear and trembling with an attitude like that? Let's be honest with ourselves this morning. Let us recognize our weaknesses. Not that we would despair over them. That's not why I'm saying this. Not that we would despair over our weaknesses, but but that we might pray and seek the Lord for strength to overcome our besetting sin and in the indwelling sin. In indwelling sin, I, I get that from what Pete, what, what Paul says. Look at look at Romans seven verse seventeen. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Indwelling sin. And verse 20, Romans seven twenty. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Indwelling sin. And we're not going to, perhaps that will be a sermon for another time. We're not going to expound on that much more today but I, I want us to do this i want us to, to close before we partake of communion this morning i want us to close by focusing on the one who will deliver us let's do that romans 7 verses 24 and 25 O wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death paul already knew the answer that this this was uh, rhetorical, yes, thank you. This was the rhetorical question. He already knew the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's our deliverer. See, may we remember for those who are born again, Jesus Christ has already delivered us from the penalty of sin. Never forget that. And He is delivering us from the power of sin while we're here and we're looking to Him and trusting Him. Someday, He will deliver us even from the power of sin and the very presence of sin. One day, when we're with Him, when we're glorified together with Him, away 
from the power of sin, away from the very presence of sin. He is our deliverer. Let's read just a few verses. Psalms 18, verses 2 and 3. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Now, I know this was the psalmist. I know he had many enemies that were actually coming physically for him, trying to kill him. I understand that. But I believe I can take that verse and say, so shall I be saved from the enemies that are attacking me, the temptations, all of these things, that He will be my rock, that He is my fortress, that He is my deliverer in all these things. In Psalms 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Peter, for a moment, forgot about that, didn't he? Even apostolic Peter. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Galatians 1, verses 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He is our Deliverer, now and forevermore. May we never forget. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I give You thanks for Your Word. And, and Lord, I pray that this all can be a great help for every one of us. I pray, Lord, help us take what what has been said in Your Word and, and use it and apply it and, and let it be a help and a strength for us. And Lord, help me and help us all to know that, that our strength is not our own, that we must go and that we must fight and we must walk and everything that we say and do must be in the strength of and the knowledge and everything that you supply according to your word and by your spirit. So, Father, help us. Help us to remember Christ. Help us to remember that he gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present age, and that he might deliver us holy, blameless, and above reproach in your sight, because we have been clothed in a robe of righteousness, not of our own, but of Christ. That He bore our sins, our sins imputed to Him, and in return, His righteousness imputed to us, the great exchange. Father, may we never forget what Christ has done. And it's in His precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.